Jingle bells, jingle all the way. If you excuse me, let me say we have a great podcast today. Hey! Yes, jingle bells indeed. We are 45 episodes old today. Soon, an overweight, bearded man will be making his way into your children's bedrooms and leaving deposits in their stocking. Don't worry, Manchester. Gareth will not be going on one of his famous rampages again. We are, of course, talking about Father Christmas, or as he is known by his less racial tension causing name, Chris Kringle. Uh, Gareth, it does annoy you when people try and sort of change nativity plays, try to change Christmas carols when schools can't celebrate Christmas, doesn't it? Uh, does it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no matter how you spend the Christmas period, we have no doubt that we will be involving some of your favourite games. Unless controversial hacking group Lizard Squad decide to take issue with your particular online service and bring it unceremoniously to its knees, you could be looking forward to being limited to Call of Duty single player only. What a Christmas that be, right, 12-year-olds? <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, I'm going to go on to insulting everyone now. Okay. Lizard Squad go into my most hated squads. Arsenal Football Squad 2014 and Blazing Squad. Girl, I love the way you work it. And if you let me, I want to flip reverse it. I don't know why I know them lyrics. Don't ask me how. <laughs> Little known fact about co-host Don has something in common with Lizard Squad. Mainly the lizard part of the name in that he and lizards are one of the very few mammals unable to grow hair. <laughs> so there you go, Don. How's it going? Uh, good, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Right, still in a relationship? Still in a relationship, yes. Going strong? It's all going lovely. Excellent. <laughs> one, marrow, one, marrow, one mammal that Gareth is a close relation to is the woolly mammoth. Unfortunately, the woolly mammoth <laughs> is now extinct, but somewhere in Gareth's DNA resides the key to allowing them to once more walk the earth. But like most things, Gareth just cannot be bothered. How are you doing, Gareth? I'm all right. They, uh, they don't call me the woolly Gareth for nothing. That, that is a good one. That is a great pun. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, my name's Rob, and I'm the host of the podcast. I always think ahead. If I ever become extinct, I have left enough of my DNA in my mum's dog that scientists would have no problem cloning me. <laughs> Don't worry, she's female. I'm not, I'm not a pervert. <laughs> How... Are we all ill this week? Because I can hear a few coughs and <laughs> splutterings. Stop saying to me an old people's home. Oh. oh dear. As long as you're okay though, guys. Yep. We can go I ahead. Am now. I am now. News, <laughs> news and more news. As usual, that's the starting point. We also have the return of Guest of the Week. It actually takes effort to organise that, you know. This week's guest is Nintendo collector Emran. If it's Nintendo-related... Related, related, he probably has it. Apart from the Super Smash Brothers Wii U controller adapter, Gareth. <laughs> yeah, still yeah. yeah. Then we end the show as usual with what have we been playing recently retitled as Why Does Don Keep Playing Destiny? And how justify his continued involvement this week? But before any of that, there is the news out there, so let's get ready to hear it. The news!
Right, so unless you were unaware, this week there has been the PlayStation Experience and also the Game Awards. I didn't actually see the Game Awards myself. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it was any better than the uh, awards last year, which pretty much took a nosedive. But with all of the report from that show, please welcome Gareth Williams. Oh, thank you very much, Rob. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I, I did watch the Game Awards and they were actually very good. Uh, last year's, in particular, felt uh, very shallow and very soulless and like it barely had anything to do with games. But this year was very like respectful towards games. All the what I think it was was all the um, nominees all were given a decent little bit of video because I feel like what it was last year was like, you know. Uh, FPS of the year, and your nominees are Call of Duty, Battlefield, da 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 da. Whereas now it's like there was an award for acting, and it said like Kevin Spacey for Call of Duty, and then it showed like a short twenty-second clip of his actual acting in the game. Just made everything feel a lot. There you more go, a little bit more classy. Yeah, a little bit more legitimate, like an actual award show, and it was in like a, a pretty nice hall with a load of professional people there and a little bit of a crowd that were you know whooping at every single trailer but i think overall it was very very nice i'll watch it again next year i think a lot of the awards were sort of rushed like it cut away to uh, the main host jeff Keeley talking to like reggie and then you'd be having a conversation with reggie because obviously nintendo were there showing off the next zelda so they had to have someone there um and Reggie would just be talking to this guy, then the guy would go, oh, and by the way, Nintendo won two awards for, like, handheld game and something else. So here's a trophy for that. Uh, and then they keep talking, and it was a bit like, eh, this is a bit rushed. But the bigger awards of the night, like the best actor in a game, you know, game of the year, or stuff like that, was treated really well. They took a lot of time over it, which made it feel unrushed, which has been a big problem. Yeah, well, it's, it's given the time and respect to the medium like every other medium, like music and film. Yeah, I mean, even like the Oscars, for example, they'll rush over it a bit more than these awards will. Like, you know, they'll say, like, the award for best actor in a film is between these actors. And, like, they give him less time to show what the actual acting was in the film than they did here at this gaming awards show. So I think that's actually a really good step in the right direction because especially if it's like a game you've not played like a lot of people will not have played that Call of Duty game but then they'll see this clip of Kevin Spacey acting his fucking face off and they'll be like holy shit like that game's actually not fucking around and I think it's really valuable but aside from the actual awards there are also a lot of games trailers and announcements there which I shall now list Have you Here goes. in a list-like <laughs> manner. Not Here unlike a list, but it's definitely not a list. Here he goes. Get ready. All right. These are in no particular order, except for they Zelda They're in order that you've written them. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gone Home, the big game from last year. It was an indie game. Uh, the team behind that are making a new game called Tacoma, which is basically Gone Home in Space. By the looks of it, <laughs> oh god, sorry. Um, yeah, they didn't show much, but it was just—it was very Bioshocky. It was like um, a door opens and a woman steps into a room, 
and it looks very Bioshock spacey and then there's all stuff floating around like a like a wine glass or a leaf just floating in the air. It's not very very mysterious. All uh, very, very mysterious, Gareth. Yes. I didn't play Gone Home though, because it looked too creepy and I didn't want to get scared. Racist. What? But apparently that game was very, very good. It seems like the kind of thing Don would like, because he has uh, balls. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Don. <laughs> uh, next thing I've got written down is one for Rob. They showed a reveal trailer for Metal Gear Online. Oh. Oh, that's your well, you know, the other the other one looked quite good, but like I say, I, I'm not I'm not into online gaming, Gareth, and I find what you've said there just to be quite rude. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you see the trailer? I did see the trailer, and it looked pretty good, but it, it looked all very rehearsed. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And games will not play out in that way. People will just run around shooting each other and screaming. But, you know, I don't know. The Metal Gear sort of audience, I don't think they're, they are in that uh, five-year-old bracket. Yeah, probably not. Uh, although, you know, Kiefer Sutherland came out, he did a little monologue of how he was really impressed with games and how games are way better than films. Kiefer Sutherland, and if he says that, he can't be wrong. It's true. Kiefer Sutherland, if anybody knows film, it's Kiefer Sutherland. Um, that better not be sarcastic, because... Did he sound uh, sarcastic? It sounded in the middle. It could go either way. Well, that's exactly perfect. Uh, (laughs) EA teamed with a new studio that has been formed by the makers of Brothers, Tale of Two Sons, which was a huge game last year that a lot of people raved about. I didn't play because I was even more poor than this year, last year. Did any of you guys play it? Nope. I didn't. It was actually called A Tale of Two Brothers. The Tale of Two Sons. Brothers. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> it was basically a game that was very well received, Gareth, but it's one of those games that you kind of think, oh, don't know really. It's not one of those sort of full-fledged games, so I'm not going to give it the time of day. Sorry. It's because it's it was an indie game and you hate indie games. I do. Uh, <laughs> and you you hate it as well. I don't. I love indie games. Well, it's only... Uh, you don't. <laughs> uh, it's probably got a deeper meaning, though, hasn't it? The game. Probably. Uh, the new studio is called Haze Light, and they showed a brief little teaser of what their game was going to be based on. And it was like two transients on a train looking out uh, at the moon. It was all very brief. I don't know what the fuck it's going to be. But the people who made Brothers making a game where the trailer has two males in it. So I'm thinking. Maybe they're sticking to a formula there that works. Maybe those guys in the train will also be brothers. You never know. Um, there was new footage for No Man's Sky, which is which was absolutely the, dumb. the greatest game ever made. No, 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 no. no. There's still no context to it. There's there's enough context. <laughs> no, he flew the greatest non-game planet. ever made. Yeah, flew to a planet, landed, looked around, got back. And flew to another planet, looked around, then it finished. No, what am I doing? That first planet that he landed on, you'll notice he landed in like a little spaceport, and then his ship was filled up with something. It said like plus fifteen hundred, I don't know, quadrillion yeah, crystals. No context. Well, that's that's fine as long as I know that there's gameplay, and it's not just fly to a planet, look around, 
fly away. There's actual stuff to do, goals to accomplish, you know? There's a little thing in the top right of the hood that says, like, it looks like it has ammo and it looks like there's a currency that he's collecting, so... There's obviously stuff going on in No Man's Sky. And that game continues to be my dream game that I didn't know I wanted until now. Looks so good! Oh, Okay. Um, if this ends up being another Smash Brothers, don't say that. Yourself. I forgot. Oh, I'd forgot. You were so hyped for Smash Brothers, and then look what happened. Fuck you, Don. You just ruined <laughs> the next year of my life for me. Shit. Yeah. I genuinely forgot how disappointed I was. Yep. Oh. And how hyped you were. I was having such a good week as well. Oh, never mind. It's still too abstract for me. You know, you say that there's bullets and stuff like that, but. You know, just tell us what it is. They will, eventually. For now, they're just content with showing us their infinite universe with procedurally created atoms that they Just don't worry about how impressive that is. You just want to know how to get from A to B. No, I want to know what I'm going to be doing from A to B. Then a bit of C. Oh, there's no pleasing you, Rob. Apart from sexually. Thank you very much. <laughs> King's Quest. Got its first trailer. Yeah? No. No. Next. Okay. <laughs> Bloodborne. There was a new trailer for Bloodborne which showed some multiplayer action. It, it For me, it was a uh, event that didn't need... Be... What? Okay. <laughs> I very little of what you just said. For me, it's uh, it was an event that didn't need to exist. The Game Awards? Yeah, and the PlayStation 1. Well, getting a bit... I'm not even done. A bit <laughs> Carry on. Dismissive already. <laughs> that Bloodborne trailer was pretty good, though, I thought. I hadn't seen much from that game yet, and that looked very dark. It's because of your, it's your lists. What? Oh, this is when, a fine list. Yeah, but it's a nice list, but when I know that I'm deep within one of your lists... I start to feel as if I'm in another universe. Oh, you love it. The deeper the better with you. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I know, Gareth. Don't get me wrong. I love it as much as the next man. <laughs> but the thing is, your lists take me to another galaxy. Well, my lists are the No Man's Sky of Audible Entertainment. They are. No one knows where it's going. They don't know when it's going to end. They just know that it's happening. And that's it. Perfect. Until Dawn, the PlayStation exclusive. Uh, I wrote down here, Heavy Rain meets a horror film. So is that of any interest? But wasn't that what Heavy Rain was? Uh, yeah, it was more of a crime crime, crime thriller. Guy running around shouting his kid's name in a shopping mall. As we all do. The game. Yeah. Well, Until Dawn will feature Hayden Panettiere digitally in a towel. Mm-hmm. I love towels. <laughs> <laughs> Is the towel digital uh, as well? Oh yeah, of course. Good. Uh, um, they showed more footage from the Order, eighteen eighty six. I didn't get that, Gareth. Was was that just cutscenes? I don't. They all seem very badly edited together, <laughs> and I didn't see any actual gameplay. Or was that just me? Well, the, the weird thing is that, like at E three, they showed this uh, gameplay slash trailer of a guy fighting a werewolf in like a unused yeah. surgery or whatever 
And this footage was all just like, it seemed like really weird Victorian era detectives, just like, protect yeah. the president, quick, she's on her zeppelin, let's go and get these perps. And all of those you, those werewolves back in the Victorian era. Yeah, but it's like, you know, that the footage from E3 made it look like some kind of Resident Evil-esque horror game, yeah. and now this is making it look like, I don't know, playing a GTA game set in Victorian London. Which I don't we know what the don't fuck know. tone they're going for. We still don't know, Gareth. Yeah. Uh, downloadable Godzilla fighting game, anyone? No, thank you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, every time I hear that sort of thing, I imagine it's going to be like the Pacific, the Pacific Rim fighting game, which is just balls. It probably will. Well, yeah. did you play War of the Monsters on the PlayStation 2? Oh, no. <laughs> No, that strangely. was like Godzilla and all Mothra and things like that, and it was quite good, I'll have you know. Really? Yeah, look it up on uh, YouTube. War of the Monsters, it's called. War of the Monsters. Yeah. Um, before, which is a game based before Civilization, where you control cavemen. Oh, great. That probably... Is that an indie game, is it? Yeah, but it's got probably the worst art style I've ever seen. Good. Like they were showing loads of aerial shots of like vistas and like forests and stuff, and then they show like a caveman walking through a field, and they zoom in on the caveman's face, and it's just it looks like a PS1 character's face. Fantastic. It was hilariously bad, and you could hear the people in the audience laugh. When they showed his <laughs> nice. Face, which is a bit <laughs> awkward. Yeah, if you're a developer, you'll be like, oh great. Yeah. So that was just unfortunate. Stop. Um, adrift, spelt with a one instead of an I. Which, yeah, yeah get it? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> which is like a I don't get person... it. Oh, okay. It's like a why, first why is person a horror game where yeah. you're uh, alone in space, hence the one instead of the I. And no one can hear you scream in space. It's like if you were on the space station and then it exploded and you were the only survivor and you had to somehow survive up in space on your own. Uh, I see. That's what a drift looks like, but could be yeah, quite good with like some kind of Oculus Rift or PlayStation Morpheus. <laughs> could yep. be in fucking incredible, especially because the graphics in that demo that they showed look fantastic. I think if you only have to view two things that were on the Game Awards, I would say No Man's Sky footage and a drift because the drift does look beautiful. Uh, the next game I've got written down here is. Human Element, uh, which is a game based around zombies and looks and sounds wank, according to my <laughs> notes. There we go. Uh, That's some good note taking right there. The way the guy announced it was like, we want to focus on what makes the zombie uh, apocalypse really terrifying. And that's the human element. And I was like, oh, yeah. every piece of zombie fiction, that is the case. This isn't new. Every single thing with zombies in, it's like, but the humans are the real terror. Yeah. And it just, it looked like a mix between uh, Dead Island and Sunset Overdrive. I don't know, it just looked oh. like garbage. And I felt bad for having seen it. Uh, and that's the end of the list before I've got, like, underlined and in bold, new oh, Legend my. of Zelda footage. Woohoo! We've already discussed that. We've not, not. I'm going to insert this earlier. I'm going to insert you in a minute. And, oh god! So yeah, they had showed footage of uh, Shigeru Miyamoto and some other guy whose name I've forgotten. 
who both so had exclusive English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good English. Sat playing Legend of Zelda. The next yep. one. Brand yeah. new Zelda game. Shigeru Miyamoto was a bit rude though, wasn't he? Was he? Well, you know, the guy's showing his game and then Miyamoto just goes, oh yes, just to let you know, I'm currently making the new Star Fox. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you're Which sitting will... there talking to your mate and, uh, you know, you've got a girl there and you, you, um, your mate goes, oh, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you just whipping your penis out and going, look, I've got 15 inches of meat here ready for you, darling. And then just walking off with her. You know, it's very rude. Shigeru Miyamoto could have done that at any other time. That's true. But, uh, you know, the guy you were showing Zelda had a pretty big dong himself. Zelda's a <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But get this, Gareth. I'd like to think that um, the actual translator said that for a joke. And that wasn't actually what Shigeru Miyamoto was saying. And then when it gets back to him, we'll have to ask Guy because obviously Guy messages him and stuff. Oh yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, if he if he would have just said that, that would have been so funny, <laughs> genuinely funny. Yeah. So what what do we all think of this new Legend of Zelda footage? Well, it's it, a bit it, dull. Uh, it was just a bit like here's a world, you know, here's the horse, like we can ride around. It looks very pretty, but it, it was just there wasn't much happening on it. I think they were just kind of showing you the world like just me, trying to get yeah. across the size of it but there was obviously the, nothing really actually took place at all in the entire demo I think that's what it is It's uh, I think it was quite tragic really because there was nothing there that kind of made me think oh that looks pretty good or mm, maybe it's yeah, time the, to the E3 result. reveal was more exciting yeah that looked good and I think you know it's going to be one of those games where sad to say but Nintendo and those seem to just think, oh, what does everyone else like to play now? What can we try and be? And they can't, they've got to, they can't do that because that's not going to win them any more fans. They need to keep doing what Nintendo do, keep that momentum. You know, I know they didn't develop Bayonetta 2, but keep that, you know, Mario Kart, Bayonetta, Super Smash Brothers, Super Mario Land, 3D, all these games. They've got to keep that going. They've got to be true to their franchises and not dilute them so they're the same as every other thing. Because at the moment, that's the only thing that's keeping Nintendo alive, is their uniqueness. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me laugh. Like, all these people online are like, oh my god, the new Zelda footage, look, oh, it looks incredible. It's like, what did we really see? We saw yeah. him set a waypoint, and the horse just going towards it. Like, people, there was an outcry of people who hated Wind Waker... Because you yeah. would see a waypoint on a map, set the wind, and then just let your boat take you there. This is the same thing. But horses are cooler than boats, Gareth. Are they, though? <laughs> I don't know. Replace a boat with a horse and water with grass. And this is the worst bits of Wind Waker that they're trying to get us hyped for a new Zelda game for. Yeah. It's a massive fail in my eyes. Yeah. And, like, they were like, and look, when you jump off the horse, you go into slow motion. Yeah. Like, what? As if we'd never seen that before. Yeah, why would anyone give a fuck about that? It's in every game that's ever been made. Mm. Yeah. The part that's worrying me, concerns me most, is the use of the actual Wii U uh, controller itself. The screen and everything, that's fine, but it's all the kind of tilting stuff, because if you watch them playing that demo... Yeah, yeah he was um, tilting the aim in Red he was, Yeah, tilt. he was tilting it at all kinds of angles to when he did the jump off the horse to actually aim at the enemy and shoot it, so he was using that to aim, and I'm like, no... Please don't use that as a default, you know. Yeah, Let us use the, use the sticks to aim, for Christ's sake. force it on us. Yeah, like, that's, 
one thing I the, do not um, want. When they first announced that the Wii version, you're going to have to like hold the nunchuck up and then draw the uh, yeah. the thing back and then let go. I'm glad they didn't stick with that in the end. But if they had made us do that for every single bow... <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Yeah, that would just be annoying. <laughs> Fucking tragic. But yeah, people are really excited about this Zelda footage and I don't see it myself. No, because it's the same as everything else. Yeah, There's yeah. no mystery to it. You kind of know what's going to happen. You set a waypoint, go over to it. You know, maybe, maybe the dungeons and stuff that you come across will be more typically Nintendo, more typically Zelda, but we just don't know. Yeah, and what about, like, if you're, you're halfway through a 45-minute trip to one part of the map and you see something and you're like, oh, I want to get up there. Oh, wait, I need the hook shot for that. Okay, I'll yeah. remember this exact spot to come back to when I have the hook shot. And you get the hook shot and you travel 35 minutes there. Because they made a big deal of, like, you know, this map is so fucking huge that I'm just yeah. going to set a waypoint to this little tower. How long is that going to take? Oh, about five or six minutes. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. No! Yeah. That's a very, very bad place to start a demo with the rest of this demo is just going to be this horse running. Don't worry, it won't crash into any trees. I'm almost there. Like, yeah, the demo ended before they even got to the tower. Like, what the yeah. fuck are they doing? <laughs> Such a weird place to end a trailer. I wish it they just made a trailer specifically and not a Shigeru Miyamoto sat there like, oh yes, this bit looks nice. Yeah. Yep, this horse won't crash into trees. Oh, that's cool. Star and Fox. the horse was on autopilot as well, wasn't it? Yeah, he wasn't even touching the controller. Even... That's what I'm oh. saying. You just set a wind direction in Wind Waker and then the boat would just fucking go. This is the exact same thing. Bastards. Um, it might be good. I mean, this game's like over, a, well, less than a year away from coming out, so we have to see more of it soon. But it better be good. It better be good. It will be good. <laughs> Can I have your word on that? Well, it will be good, but it will alienate its original fans, which seems to have done every single game Nintendo have um, released lately. Yeah. That's- I mean, that's been the case with me. Smash Bros, yeah. Mario Kart, both have done that. So Yeah, there you go. We're so <clears throat> finally psyched to make our own entry into gaming and esports, said the people of you, Paul. Well, you know, gamers are probably their biggest uh, site visitors. So if they can, you know, it's probably the best place to advertise Paul, isn't it? Why don't you speak? Bloody <laughs> hell. It's like you're both really scared this week. What's up? <laughs> What's happening? Um... <laughs> pretend that he doesn't even know what porn means because of his girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, what's you porn? Never heard of it. I don't but watch I porn. You don't like porn? No, my girlfriend yes. does, but I don't. I'm not into it. <laughs> what? Yeah, does she love it, Gareth? Why do you keep saying Gareth when it's done talking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I just think you know more about his girlfriend than he does. Jesus. In a nice way. Well, Gareth, do we want Elder Scrolls on the consoles? Uh, sure, yes. Yeah, seems like uh, a good game. I don't think we do. They oh, say, no, we definitely no. do not want that. They say the reason that it's been delayed uh, is because they want to make it the best they can for the consoles. But let's be honest, it hasn't really uh, set the world a lot on, place, uh, on PC. I mean, I, I wanted it on PC. I played the demo, and the demo was really fun. Then it just would have cost me too much money, so fuck that shit. Yeah, that's one of the things. It's the expenditure every month, isn't it? But would that be the case on consoles? Yeah, it's still going to be a paid-for subscription. Really? Okay. Yeah. Then. 
they fucked that up already. Yep. People on consoles, they're just not into that sort of stuff, are they? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, the thing is, um, we have completely replaced the PC user interface, not us, uh, talking about Bethesda, with a console-specific user interface designed from the ground up with a controller and living room playing environment in mind. So, you know, it could it could feel a bit more like your traditional Elder Scrolls, but I'd rather they just scrap this, I know it's a bit rude to say, and just move on to the Elder Scrolls 6. Keep waiting for Don to speak because I feel like Don, I'm always Don. speaking. <laughs> Sorry, no, I just I I know nothing. I've never played Elder Scrolls. Um, Elder Scrolls oh. Online just I don't see the, how it's that much different from playing just Oblivion or Skyrim. Uh, well, exactly. That's why it's so awesome. So yeah, but I, you know, so I, you know, so it coming to a console or not? I don't really see the problem. I don't, you know, if it comes on console, fair enough. It's not going to be that different to the playing Skyrim. Oh, it's the thing oh, about that, though, is that remember how Don's never played Skyrim? Yeah, Don's never and, played uh, Skyrim. And The Last of Us. <coughs> He's or played that Call for... of Duty. No. I've never played Call of Duty. I played a demo for like five minutes. <laughs> I know what's happened. Don has been... She's had a go at you, haven't she, Don? And you have what? to be on your best behaviour. And you're worried no. about what you say. No. No. I'd say I like breasts, then. I do like breasts. Oh, there we go. Lucky for that. So anyway, uh, it'll be releasing sometime next year. They haven't even put um, a release date on it yet, so it could be further away than you think. Uh, <clears throat> Street Fighter V officially announced as PlayStation 4 and PC exclusive by a Capcom. Um, I've been reading between Master the lines. Race. Sorry. Sorry. For some reason I said PC Master Race. I don't know why, because uh, <laughs> uh, they're not It's anymore. not really a PC game, is it? Well, that's why I always find it really weird when they put things like Street Fighter on PC, because it's the the worst possible platform for a fighter. Yeah, well, the thing that I, I think, they say Street Fighter V will be an exclusive to PlayStation 4 and PC for its lifetime, but we're not thinking about Super Ultra Street Fighter V, which I think could. You know, they're just using a bit of terminology there. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Gareth? Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the trick as well. Like, Street Fighter V Turbo... Maybe yeah. next Christmas is like a special edition coming from Go the Xbox on, One. You could definitely see that. But I think the most interesting thing about this is that uh, PS4 owners and PC owners are going to be able to play against each other. Crossplay. Like they did with uh, Shadowrun. Yeah, that incredibly successful <laughs> game, Shadowrun. Oh, yes. Which was but awful. I really don't think there's a hardcore PC gaming community out there that are just waiting for this. I may be wrong. Well, the thing is that the screenshots they showed were not very impressive. Like, they looked... Mm. It looked like it, Street Fighter 4, but... It looks like, exactly like Street Fighter 4. Yeah. yeah. So it could be a case where the PC version will just have insanely better graphics, which might be enough to sway some people. We don't know, though, Gareth, to be honest, because, you know, what more can you do from uh, Street Fighter? Because Street Fighter 4, great game, but what really blew everyone away was the graphics. The gameplay was great. It's always been tight. It's always been solid. Are they going to be able to do that again? I don't think so. And they've got their they've got their core user base now, and it probably justifies bringing it out on PlayStation Four. Um, so yeah, I think they've got the they've got the audience there that will buy all the iterations that come out, and they'll buy it again on PlayStation Four. I'm pretty sure of it. Probably. I just don't think it's um, the biggest uh, exclusive that Sony could have gone for. It's not no. that very impressive sounding. 
No, it's not. Especially not when you see the screen, you're like, oh, it's Street Fighter 4 again. Yeah. yeah. They sort of whiffed it a little bit with this, I think. But that's the world we live in, Gareth. Um, <laughs> a one game that is making a comeback that could be on everybody's lips come next Christmas is Gears of War is making a massive progress on the Xbox One. Now, you know, I, I respect it because, you know, Gears of War people, they admitted that the franchise did kind of run its course and it needed some breathing space. I think by judgment, they'd really pushed it as far as it could go and uh, another release probably would have tipped it over the edge in a similar way that Unity has. So giving it that time to breathe is exactly what it needed. And it looks like it could be a reboot for the franchise, Don. Could be. Are they actually remake? I mean, is this actually supposed to be following on from the what the fourth game? No, I think like uh, Tomb Raider. It's literally just Gears of War. Yeah. Yeah. I. Pff, I mean, I don't know. I. I kind of had enough of Gears of War by the second one. Yeah. And but, uh, I, 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 it's one of those weird games. It's a bit like Killzone with Sony. They just keep on clinging on to this franchise as if it's a huge, gigantic. Yeah, really, really massively popular franchise, but I don't. It, they seem to think it's more popular than I think it is. It doesn't feel as popular as they, you know, well, seem to have in their mind. I don't get it. I don't get why they're bothering. It's, <laughs> Just, got, it's got its fans. I mean, there was a lot of fans yeah, but, for Gears of War One uh, online. Yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're, they're pretty good games, you know. Yeah. But the, the, you know, unless they radically change the the mechanics of the game or something like that, then it's, I don't know. It's, well, well, Don, it's that's that. It feels tired, it feels old school, like you yeah, say, but, but when it first came out, it was such a revelation uh, yeah. on the Xbox 360. That was the game. We talk about when is the next generation going to start, but that was the game that kick-started that generation. I remember just looking at it and thinking, oh my God, going around my friend's house, seeing it on a HD TV and watching him play it online, the connectivity, the seamlessness of playing against people all across the world. And I hope that you know they can do it again. It's not made by uh, Epic anymore because it was bought by Microsoft. But we'll just yep. have to see how that goes, really. It's pretty much just under the radar. We shall see. Mm. <clears throat> but, you know, it is one of those games that we are, you know, can create a big thing, and it can hopefully have a new lease of life on the Xbox One. Um, Borderlands, Gareth, you're going to be really interested to hear this. It's actually going to be an MMO game. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about this? Because you absolutely love it. I do, I fucking love Borderlands and I was really excited uh, about this headline especially it starts out Borderlands Online announced for PC just PC fuck yeah, fucking yeah fucking Borderlands Online sounds amazing so the next line of it is and mobiles in China oh dear, (laughs) so you're going to have to move to China yes I'm going to need to move to China I'm going to need a new mobile phone that can play a Borderlands game and got to learn Chinese, get a Chinese PC that can play the game, and then it'll probably yeah. come out over here anyway. Yeah. But this is just a really... That's random. A really weird thing. It's a collaboration between 2K, uh, Gearbox, and Shanda Games. Who we all love. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, that brilliant game they made uh, back in the day. Yeah, I guess they're like a just a Chinese team. really really fucking weird that they would announce this for China first yeah because China's not really the gaming territory is it that it could be 
Uh, no, especially because China has no laws on pirating things, so no. everyone just downloads everything illegally all the time. Oh, there we go. There's another one of Gareth's generalizations. But it is <laughs> going to be free to play, so I guess like whatever might as well. But they'll still uh, <laughs> they'll still make bootleg copies anyway. Probably. So, well, yeah. But it's like you know, it's going to have like new classes and stuff, which is what you come to Borderlands for. So it's you got to assume it's going to break out of China at some point. It's just a really weird place to start it is but big uh, user base main maybe a lot of people maybe it's just kind of less experiment somewhere else for a change that's true if it fails in china nobody yeah. gives a fuck so oh and again right so the witcher 3 delayed until may 2015 well this it seems that i think a lot of studios are now getting very worried with the negative publicity that's going on around their games um, sort of Ubisoft and all that kind of outcry and I think a lot of studios are now getting sort of cold feet on when they're going to launch their game because yeah. they don't want to destroy their series and if it's a little bit the frame rate's a little bit bad or it's not in 1080p or it doesn't run at 60 frames per second you know I think that you know a lot of them are sort of holding off now because they don't want that but is it good is it bad maybe it is good Gareth we don't know maybe it is good Don Yes, I'd rather, you know, it's always better to delay stuff that, you know, to make sure it fucking works for bloody change. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you hope you hope that's why they're delaying it, and not for some financial reason or some bullshit marketing reason. You know, you assume well, when everything gets delayed, you assume that they're doing it so it actually gets polished properly, and you know the bugs get worked out of it and stuff. But yeah, half the time they still seem to get released half working. But uh, <clears throat> but any delay is better than no delay, if you ask me. Yeah. But The Witcher looks so silk, doesn't it? It looks great already, yeah. Yeah, it but, does. That yeah. would be my guess, because like, The Witcher 2 got a lot of positive reviews, but it was still sort of a, a niche title, whereas yeah. The Witcher 3 has been getting so much positive buzz from everyone since yeah. E3. They probably think, we should probably take a few months extra just to make sure this comes out spotless, just so we keep that buzz going. Because you, know, you look at the screens of it, and it's like it looks incredible. It does easily be a game of the year contender for next year if they get it right, which, you know, they take another few months on it, then fair enough. Yeah, that's all you need. But like like we say, there's no problem with releasing a game like that. As long as when it comes along, you're like, well, this is brilliant. Similar to Grand Theft Auto, you know, that is a game that's that's brilliant. And, you know, I can't find fault with it, still can't. And it's, it's one of those games that, you know, fair enough. You've done it. You, you took the time to do it. You made it. But it's all the better for it. <clears throat> Talking of games that were ran into the ground, uh, God of War. Uh, Santa Monica Studios are working on the next one. Um, are we really excited about this? Depends. I'm the fir- I played the first two on PS2, and they were brilliant. Absolutely loved those yeah. games. Apart from the odd ridiculous difficulty spike, which you eventually got through. But they were just really fun slash them up beat the crap out of everything games with uh, you know they're, they're kind of um, precursors to the Arkham games in a way with a decent fight mechanic to take on lots of enemies at once um, they were loads of fun so um, I never played the third one by all accounts it was pretty much the same as the first two but yeah. if it ain't broke don't fix it sort of thing but um, you know, I, you yeah. know if, if this game turns out to be um, just as good as uh, the first two of those I'd be quite but, interested but you know do we want it, Kratos still though well, yeah, this is a, he is a very angry young man, isn't he? <laughs> very, and I don't... Very angry. You can't really take his character any further. I think the no. combat system's good. 
the graphics are amazing. You know, it's not the best combat system, but for what it is, it's, it's good. It's not up there with Bayonetta and Devil May Cry. But if, you know, it was a reimagining or a reboot and we had a different character, someone that just wasn't such an arsehole, you know, <laughs> there's no real redeeming features to Kratos. He's just a ball of fury. And I don't think you can take that character any further, really. Yeah. That, he, there's something quite likeable about him in the way that he'll just come across somebody and literally rip their head off. That's just you, though, Gareth. <laughs> but, but like you say, you can't. You can only stretch that out so far. And yeah. Like they made a trilogy, and then there are about four PSP games they made on top of that, and it's yeah. like they sort of they made us sick of it when they shouldn't really have done that. But it's been long enough that if they make a kick-ass God of War game, I think people will be pretty psyched about it. Yeah, it just it just the combat system needs to be just tightened up a little bit more, make it a little more deliberate because um, it doesn't really require too much skill. It's more about crowd control and just making sure you're swinging in the right way. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. Bayonetta really has <clears throat> stolen its thunder since then. Yeah, it just I think a little bit more tightening up. I don't know if the developers are able to do that, but maybe if they get sort another studio involved to help them out there. Um, then that would be good a bit because the brutal side of it, and I love the mythical side, uh, all the Greek gods and stuff like that. If they can maybe get onto that, then it could be a really good game because you, you know with Bayonetta and stuff uh, being on the Wii U only, and Devil May Cry not really showing its face, we need a game like that. And if God of War can be it, obviously we're not going to get it on the Xbox One, but there is the audience out there and it will pull it along. Um, Gareth, do you want to play Final Fantasy VII again? No. Don? Not really. I've still got it on my PS1. <laughs> and your PS2. Uh, <laughs> you can play it on your PS2 as well. And on PS3. You can indeed. And on PS Vita. So, how excited were we by the news that it's going to be yet again coming out for the PlayStation 4 in spring 2015? Oh, I, I can literally wait. Yeah. I, I can literally wait for that to come out. <clears throat> I mean, with all the buzz that was on the internet, I was expecting it to be a kind of PlayStation 4 remake. Yeah, and when I clicked on it, yeah, I was looking at the trailer thinking, okay, in a minute it's going to kick into sort of a remake, we're going to have a look at it. But it wasn't. It was literally just the same game. Yeah. And, you know, as classic as it is, um, I think the time's gone now where it can find a new audience. And surely the people that are big fans, they're. Surely there's a time when you can keep re releasing a game. And there's a time when you probably just have to stop and just think, okay. Well, but you know, these games, when they're on download only, you can't really lose money. You can only make money. So if there's the people out there that are going to buy it, or it could just be, hey guys, take a bit of this. Maybe, maybe we're making a remake. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Let's just whet their appetite. Maybe. I, I <laughs> think people hold Final Fantasy VII in some weird mythical place when it probably shouldn't be held there. Yeah, that's a game where your main character cross dresses, snowboards. Like he's in a coma for about two hours of it as well. It's like just a really (laughs) weird game that doesn't really make any sense at any point. Yeah, I think if a lot of people went back and had to fight Sephiroth again now, (laughs) they would tear their hair out and throw the controller through their screen. Which is what Don did. (laughs) (laughs) In a nice way, Don. Though. Yeah, of course. (laughs) <laughs> it's what we call banter and when you yes. have banter you can say anything and the other person can't take offence <laughs> those are the rules those are the rules those well we're going to have a bit of banter now uh, with Uncharted 4 <clears throat> which means that no one can take offence uh, Gareth <laughs> if I was to tell you that that was coming out on Playstation 3 would you believe me? yeah 
Yeah. It looked alright for a PS3 game, from what I saw. Yeah, but there was nothing that... Because I was, being a big Uncharted fan, and absolutely loving the blistering visuals, um, I was expecting this. This is always a game that I said, oh, come on, guys. It might not look great graphically, but wait until Uncharted 4 comes along. Wait until we see Uncharted 4. Then you're going to say, oh, my God, the future has arrived. Uh, I clicked on it expecting for the future to arrive, and it didn't arrive. Um, It was just met with, oh, it's that again, which I think is a shame because every E3 or every time it's been unveiled, Uncharted 1 blew me away, Uncharted 2 with the, um, do you remember the helicopter? And him and the lady are running across the building and they're shooting at the uh, drawbridge from underneath them. Yeah. Do you remember seeing that? Absolutely blew me away. Same with uh, Uncharted 3 uh, on the thing where they're getting on the airbase and they have to drive and get to the plane. And he has that airplane shootout. But with this, it kind of just seemed to take a back step in that there, it wasn't a big set piece. It was very muted, very much, oh, this is sort of middling gameplay that you'll come across two hours after you've started the game. And there was nothing there that really excited or made you feel that you wanted to go forward to it. Yeah, it's, it's funny you brought up uh, Gears of War 1 earlier and how when you watch somebody play that game, it felt like a new generation. Like, you know, the way they'd slap into cover, just like, bang! And then yeah. you'd move from cover to cover really quickly in a way that we could never do. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the, this, the gameplay in this, like we say, looked exactly like a PS3 game. Looked yeah. exactly like the other Uncharted. Didn't look... Like like it should be part of a new generation. Uh, it just it it looks like they said we can probably make pretty good graphics. Let's just make another standard Uncharted game. Yeah, and it's, it's just... like all all these games have since the success of um, Batman Arkham uh, Asylum, the combat system just seems to be getting copied again and again for every single game. It's just it's the same system for every one of these games you run around and you can take on loads of enemies at once because they've copied the exact same system and it just feels like just looks the same as as them just you're just in a different part of the world i don't know yeah i mean it's fun they are fun those games i mean the batman game is really good and you know team raider is really good despite what gareth says and, uh, this reminded me a bit of Tomb Raider, actually. But yeah, especially the setting. That's the first thing I thought when I looked at it. I was like, this just looks like the, the Tomb Raider game from last year. Um, which is a good game, but, you know, if it, how, it's not really distinguishing itself from those two. But then Tomb Raider itself was a bit of a love letter to Uncharted. So mm. they're kind of two sides of the same coin in, in a way. Yeah, They're good games, but do we want more and more of the same game again and again and again? It did the thing that I hated Tomb Raider for. Which yeah, was yeah. just really lazily designed because, like you know, Nathan Drake's like he's going through the the jungle or whatever, and then he comes across this cave, and in this cave, to get to the end of the cave, he has to slide down to like a waterfall, and then just about grabs onto the ledge, and he pulls himself up, and then he crawls through a really small cavern, and then he like comes out into a big uh, sort of ravine, and then he climbs up the ravine using a like a spike he just happened to find. And then he's yeah. done all this, he's climbing for like five minutes, gets to the top and there's like 30 enemies already up there. Like, how did they get up there? They just also made this climb just two minutes before he did. It's fucking yeah, they must ridiculous. have left a spike. Yeah, it's just like the leap in logic of like, well, we need enemies, so click your fingers and we make some enemies appear in the environment. It's just, oh, I can't bear shit like that. 
But that, but that's the thing. It's all a bit Benny Hill when he was hunting them down as well, wasn't it? Kind yeah. of going round and round in circles, letting them follow him, and then going round the back of them again, killing one, going round in another circle, killing one. And it, it's kind of maybe there's going to be some big dramatic bits, but where do you go from there? Like they were the best action games ever, in my opinion. And on the PlayStation Three, it always ramped it up. And <clears throat> I don't know, maybe they have to bring it back to basics. Make it a bit more human, but I really like that over the top style. And I was just, it was a bit underwhelming, I think, is what it was, because you really think of Uncharted as the poster boy for, you know, really ramping it up, showing you where the generations go in, what they can do with the graphics, and Naughty Dog being really good at it. Um, and and really, it just, it could have been from any of the Uncharted games. Really, there was, wasn't anything really stand out about it. I think that was the shame. At least when Call of Duty shows you like a gameplay trailer, it's of some crazy <laughs> shit happening. Yeah. If if Call of Duty just did a trailer of like the bit in between crazy shit happening where you're just running down corridors shooting people, it'd yeah. look fucking boring. Like this Uncharted thing did to me. Yeah. But you know you know there's gonna be some crazy shit happening in an Uncharted game. It's just are are they able to sort of one up themselves well enough? Yeah. Well there you go. Well, uh, a female that you're a big fan of, Gareth, uh, Tomb Raider, The Rise of the Tomb Raider, to be published by Microsoft. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Because you must be seething. But I, I like Lara Croft. She was the best thing about that game. Her character was well fleshed out. She was she was cool. But anyway, <laughs> Microsoft are actually publishing the sequel to that Tomb Raider game, uh, which means probably don't hold your breath that it's going to appear on a PS4. There we go. If Microsoft are publishing it, why would they ever publish it on a Sony platform? That just, it wouldn't make any sense. Same with Minecraft though, isn't it? They are now the owners of Minecraft. So well, Minecraft was already out on every like console and platform, so it wouldn't really make sense. Plus Minecraft is going to sell a lot more over the next like two years than Tomb Raider ever would have yeah, I suppose. Um, well, it was a good game. Uh, played it again recently. It's it's not uh, not as good as I remember it, but maybe at the time it was just I was just lonely. <laughs> <laughs> you looking forward to Rise of the Tomb Raider? <clears throat> Don is Don looking forward to Rise of the Tomb Raider? Yeah, I was. Will it take your <laughs> But if it's not going PS4, then... Uh, no, not, <laughs> not just yet. You probably will still be playing Destiny at that point. I'll probably still be playing at that point. But no, I was yeah. I, I like, really like the first Tomb Raider, and um, I was looking forward to the second one. So, yeah, it's a bit annoying, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's the same as the you know the Street Fighter Five thing being exclusive to uh, to PS4, PS4, not PS5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too many numbers to PS4. Um, it just, I don't know, it's just, it's not very... Slightly, I don't know, it feels a bit anti-competitive. It's a little bit unfair. Um, for oh, look a, at you, throwing your dummy out of the pram. <laughs> well, no, because Street Fighter Five is, you know, I'd rather... Have two no, you ways. wouldn't. Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd rather have Street Fighter. <laughs> I'd rather have Street Fighter. <laughs> well, I'd rather have Street Fighter, you know. Uh, it's, it's much better. But at least, at least with Street Fighter, they didn't announce it. You know, they didn't let people think it was just going to be exclusive for a little while and all the rest of it. They've come out and just said it's PS4 only. And yeah. peace, that's it. Um... Whereas Tomb Raider, they've kind of gone, well, it's going to be an exclusive for a, a little while, and then it's going to be published by Microsoft now, and 
yeah. and there's still rumours that it's still actually just going to be a timed exclusive. What? But it, what? <laughs> it's all the to- it's all over the place, and no one seems to know or want to really just come out and say this is what's actually happening with it. Well it's done. Just, everything's getting far too complicated these days. It's okay. Just play <laughs> Destiny. Put your head in your pillow. I will. And just ignore everything that's going on around you. <laughs> that's how I get through my day. Everyone, it's weekly video game music time with me, Gareth, and I'm going to keep it quite short this week because the rest of the podcast actually ended up being quite long. So, just a pick quite a short track and a little short explanation of it. Um, comes from Geometry Wars 2 Retro Evolved, which is one of the best games to come out in probably the last uh, 10 years. It's actually just superb. Graphics are fantastic, uh, music is fantastic as well. It's really cheap. Gameplay is simple but effective, difficult. It's a fantastic game, and anyone who's played it will recognise this bit of music because it just gets you super pumped up. So, this is from the soundtrack to Geometry Wars Retro Evolved 2, and it's the Evolved theme.
Hi everyone, it's me Gareth, and I'm here with a very special feature for the Christmas period, or holiday period, depending on what you believe in, uh, where last week we told you about our favourite Christmas gaming memories, and we reached out to the group and you guys shared yours with us. So I'm just going to read out uh, some of your guys' uh, best Christmas memories. Uh, our first one is from Paul Lynn. He says, my favourite Christmas gaming moment was when my dad pretended he had bought me something rubbish when in fact he had brought me a Sega Master System. As one of the best things a parent can do really at Christmas is lie to you, fake you out and then act uh, like they got you something crap when actually they got you a sweet Master System. So, well done Paulin's parents or Father Christmas, you know, any small children listening you should know Father Christmas totally brought him the master system no he's not his dad anyway Jenny Anderton says Skyrim at Christmas it has to be done the music the scenery the dragons yes the best game of all time is a great game for Christmas lots of snow lots of beautiful scenery gorgeous music Jenny Anderton has the right idea you should listen to her you should play Skyrim at Christmas every year from now until the end of time. Uh, James Hawkey Lawrence, friend of the podcast, he's been on a couple of episodes. He says, getting Time Crisis on the PS1 with the light gun for Christmas and playing that with my brother. Uh, playing co-op games with a brother where you only got one gun sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, he doesn't really say if he got an extra gun as a present, but I would hope so. Otherwise, Christmas fights were probably had. And he also does agree with Jenny that Skyrim is a fab Christmas game. So, good on you, James. Uh, Gareth Hutton, incredible first name. That's like the, the best first name I've ever heard. Alien Trilogy and Tekken 2 Demo for me, my mind was blown. It's not really something you think about, getting a demo for Christmas. But, you know, if, if you bought a console back in the day like a PlayStation 1 demo disc was just as good as getting a game because it was like nine one tenth of games it was amazing so it's a good point from Gareth that uh, you don't even need to receive a game for Christmas to have a Christmas gaming memory it can just be something as simple as a demo <clears throat> pardon me uh, Jonathan Mayer says watching my dad try and fail miserably to play the Beatles rock band on the Wii that's a bit mean considering he probably bought it for you but I see what you're saying his <laughs> uh, favourite gaming memory is not necessarily a Christmas present but yep uh, I know my family tend to play uh, Just Dance on the Wii over Christmas even though they're all terrible at it so totally get where you're coming from Jonathan uh, Andrew Turner says getting a SNES and hammering NBA Street whilst listening to the Mortal Kombat movie soundtrack Halcyon Days yeah, there's a great soundtrack. Everybody knows how that goes, so you don't need me to say Mortal Kombat in a shouty way for you, but I may insert a little soundbite here. Um, weird combination NBA Street and Mortal Kombat movie soundtrack but 
Christmas memories are Christmas memory. We can't erase them from our heads, no matter how peculiar they may be. Um, Guy Whitlock, not really sure, not really sure who that is. Um, it looks vaguely familiar. Uh, he says, from Guitar Hero 3 through to 6, it was all about getting up Christmas morning to play as much of them as humanly possible before being dragged to family members for hours. Then upon returning home, it was back to Guitar Hero. Also used to receive an abundance of Wii games back when that console was a thing. Playing stuff like Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles all day on Boxing Day was always fun. I also had a Guitar Hero Christmas once. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, I did the same thing. Played it all morning. Had to go see relatives for Christmas dinner, whatever. And then as soon as all that was done, straight back to playing Guitar Hero. My left hand hurt fucking days because it, it hurt after the first day boxing day comes along you keep playing through the pain and then just a vicious cycle for like a week before you realise okay I don't need to really play anymore Guitar Hero now uh, but yep Guitar Hero definitely also one of my favourite Christmas memories uh, you could maybe say I have something in common with Guy Whitlock but I would prefer you didn't Jessica Archer says Playing Buzz when it first came out on PS2 was always a great laugh with the family. And yeah, like I said earlier, my family would just dance. Uh, Jessica Archer's family playing Buzz on the PS2 as a family. Those are really uh, rare things to happen nowadays, what with the uh, you know controllers being so expensive and all that crap. But Buzz, where you got the like four controllers with it, was awesome for that. So yeah, when it can happen, families all playing together at Christmas can be a fantastic thing just difficult as hell to set up um, but Jessica Archer rightly points out Buzz one of the best games for that uh, Dave Woods I think this is probably my favourite answer uh, my daughter's reaction when she opened her new 3DS XL a couple of weeks after her DSi stopped reading cards because that's really it's told from the other perspective you know it's not as a child I received this off my parents or something like that it's I'm a parent my daughter's DSi broke and she was devastated. So I replaced that shit with a 3DS fucking XL. XL, baby! So well done, Dave Woods, for making his daughter uh, have a fantastic Christmas memory. If we ask this question again in 10 years and she's a member of the group and sees it, she may well answer with that very same anecdote. And the last person who answered was Chloe Davis. And she says, playing Tetris on the Game Boy, Christmas Day, for the very first time. You know, first time playing a game is always a magical experience. And if it's your first time playing Tetris, I could definitely see why that would stick in your brain as a fantastic Christmas memory. One of the best games of all time. Um, and to play it on Christmas Day for the first time, that's going to stick in your brain. So I want to thank everybody who got involved. That's Paul Lynn. Jenny Anderton, James Hawkey Lawrence, Gareth Hutton, Jonathan Mayer, Andrew Turner, Guy Whitlock, Jessica Archer, Dave Woods, and Chloe Davis. Thank you all for taking part. It was really, I really had a, a nice time reading all your comments and going through them and seeing which ones I liked and giving you lots of warm feelings for Christmas. So, happy holidays, everybody. And now we're all going to go away and listen to the Mortal Kombat movie soundtrack because, wow! I'd forgot how good that soundtrack was. Alright. I'll see you after you've all listened to that kick-ass song. Yeah!
So here we have with us our first guest in a while. Is it Emran? Emran? That's right, that's right. It's Emran Erfan. That's my name. Emran Erfan. That's my name. Collecting <laughs> Nintendo. Yes, that's my game. You can, hey, you can are we all... making a rap group or what? We could do, but let's do the podcast first. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Gareth is the one with the long hair. Yep. Yes, I can tell. I've seen his picture. Do you right. recognise it around the Manchester area? <laughs> I'm sure, you know what, a few of these kebab houses got it like, you know, do not let this guy in. <laughs> too many donors or something like that. There we go. <laughs> well, there you go, Gareth. Uh, you're well known around the Manchester area. You wasn't Definitely. just... Notorious. So, Emran, what is it about Nintendo that you love so much? Well, I mean, quite a, a hard one, but quite easy as well to, uh, you know to answer that one because being a kid and I think like a lot of kids Nintendo was one of them logos in red you always seen you know you always seen it around and uh, with them having Mario um, and uh, I don't know I mean when I actually started collecting it was actually looking at the design of the carts and the artwork that was going on with the boxes and whatnot. so that really brought me into it and as I got older and, and you know investigated Nintendo a bit more and realised how much of a history he has and how worldwide it really is and how it brings a lot of people together by just being a game, a yeah, game because business. Nintendo do seem to have that particular fan mm. that is unlike any other fan definitely definitely and you know what saying uh, I do get into quite a few heated discussion, discussions with the Sega fans because they seem to be very diehard as well. Uh, as, yeah. as much as I appreciate Sega, I mean, for me, Nintendo always is king. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, a lot of love for Nintendo. And I, and I love anything Nintendo, really. You know, I try to collect a little bit of everything, like the wallets and the belts and the key rings and whatnot. Um, yeah. And it's just one of them household names. Uh, and, you know, again, it just, you know, it springs out to so many different things. There'll always be something Nintendo, I find, that everyone can relate to. It is. And Gareth is one of the Nintendo diehard fans. He actually recently bought a Wii U just because of Smash Brothers. Yeah. Exactly. Same reason why I bought the Wii U only for uh, Mario Kart when it got released, uh, because I was a bit of a Mario Kart fan for years. Um, and I came up the, the Nintendo Wii version, but I did get the Wii U again just for Mario Kart, and that's all I've ever loaded up on it, honestly. Um, yeah, well, bit, you'll bit be awkward. Quite... Go on, I... Gareth, have an argument now. I <laughs> I did sell my copy of Mario Kart 8 days, days ago, and I never played it. Mm. But was you ever into racing games, though? Yeah, I played other Mario Karts and liked them, but uh, I think Mario Kart 8 looks crap, so I just sold yeah. it. I see what you mean because as much as I anticipated playing it and you know queued up midnight to get it and whatnot, um, I didn't find the real fun fact. It had actually changed tenfold. I realised that it's changed a bit too much. And you know what I didn't like recently is these add-ons that you have to pay for extra because you know these are the things why the history of gaming. You know, you bought the game once, you got the manual with it, and you know you had it there, you played it. They made the games tough. 
now it seems that off one game over time they can keep making money by again add-on I mean with Smash Brothers you've just gone and bought that again uh, just for that I wonder how many add-ons of them are going to turn up I, I, I can imagine Final Fantasy characters coming into there now <laughs> soon as well you know honestly I, I reckon Sonic will get his spot there as well yeah it, it is, it's very new for Nintendo to do that and for someone like you who likes to collect physical things it must be really frustrating knowing that in like 20 years time you might be able to buy a copy of Mario Kart 8 and not have all the stuff that's in it if the servers go down or whatever. Exactly. I mean, if I download a game, the only physical proof I have of it is the game and a photo that I might take. Uh, yeah. There's nothing else there to, to show that you actually own something and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Gaming has changed tenfold. But when you look at the market of gaming, it's just so massive and there's so much money involved in it. And it's just getting more and more expensive because if they're going to cut down on the packaging and cut down on, you know, all the manuals and the paperwork, the game should become cheaper. It has to become cheaper. But and it's that not. is a nightmare for you, isn't it? For everything to become non-physical. Yes. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because then what that does, it gives us a cap then, you see. It tells us where we can stop our collections now because oh, we know that the next generation of gaming is where it's going. So for me at the moment, it's like, you know, it's not even Wii, it's just before that. It's like the GameCube was the last bit of cardboard packaging with Odama and Zelda and um, a Final Fantasy in there as well. They were like the last kind of physical, you know, cardboardy original <coughs> Nintendo because it started with cardboard, as you know, yep. with NES. Um, so dead hard to, uh, yeah, to keep up a collection. And, but I, I do notice a lot of people um, who were collectors um, and I still are collecting, do tend to collect the new games sealed and they tend to like just keeping hold of that, hoping that in 20, 30 years' time something might come round for it as well. So uh, how, how are you with sealed games? Are you one of these people that like to collect them sealed or are you more, no. I'm going to play this game? No, you know what? In my whole collection, I think I have well, probably 10 sealed games. Yeah, nine of them are Commodore 64 ones that I picked up from a fair a couple of years ago. And one is uh, called Onslaught on the Mega Drive. Uh, and it was a gift given to me by a friend of mine who's a bit of a BBC fan. And uh, he came across a couple of the copies. And I never had the heart to open it because I know it's a sealed copy, but I've never had the heart to sell it on either because it's a gift. Uh, but I, did, yeah. I have come across in the past like sealed copies of Resident Evils and stuff on the GameCube. And I sold them, not sold them really, because this is one thing I don't actually do. I never sell anything. I don't make a profit or money back on anything. When I've got uh, duplicates, I tend to swap them, you know, because I'd rather yeah. help another collector out. Um, so this, this guy who wanted this sealed Resident Evil, he said, look, this is what it's worth. These are the retro things I've got. And I'll do you a swap to the, to the same value. And I was more than happy with that. And I got like a NES out of it, a Mario 3 version edition. Uh, and a couple of other NES games and a few SNES games and whatnot. And he was happy with this one game, Sealed, which he sent off for VGA grading. And again, I don't understand that kind of <laughs> thing. You know, I really don't. To me, it's like, you know, spoiling the fun of the game. The game was created to be played. It was there to be given someone to make a memory out of. And, you know, this whole... Business and you know people making a lot of money out of it and people running shops with it. Yeah, fair dues um, because the people do get to get some uh, a bit of history back and a few memories. Um, but with the sealed, I just don't understand it because you know what? 
Who's going to open it eventually? That's what I want to know, you see. Somebody has to have that. In Maybe that someone's mad. They're going to open it and they're going to play it and, and build that memory, which then, no doubt, uh, they will pass on to the next generation, to their children and whatnot. If you really enjoyed something, you are going to tell your children about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> unless it's illegal. <laughs> so what is the most you've ever played paid for a game Emery? Um, me myself out of my own pocket um, I think the most I've paid is about the 100 120 mark per game and if I remember correctly I think I paid 95 pounds for wild guns on the Super Nintendo unboxed and whatnot. Um, but it was one of them times where the game had just, you know, it was quite rare, it was hard to see, and a great seller brought it on, which had it in great condition, so I thought it's worth getting. Um, yeah. But the most um, uh, paid game that someone's bought me was my missus, and she bought me Great Guiana Sisters on the Commodore 64, because as well as Nintendo, Commodore Mario. is, you know, really deep in my heart, because my very first computer was a Commodore 64. So she searched hard for it, and it was like my first wedding gift from her uh, a okay. year ago. Um, and she paid about £182, I think she paid for that. Um, wow. And that was the Mario clone, wasn't it? Sorry? That the Mario clone. Exactly. So you can see how much I love Mario anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to have the copy of it. But you know what? You know, when it's something that expensive, right? I tell you honestly, it's very hard to pull out because my biggest fear is it's a cassette. If I yeah. put it in my Commodore cassette player and it chews it up, there's no replacement for that. And again, it's like with expensive disc games. You don't want to get that, you know, um, you scratch on it or the dust on it or pull the manual out and crease it. Um, and hence why cartridges will always last, you know, because they are slightly indestructible, you know. Well, so what is your favourite Nintendo console? If you had to burn all the others, oh. uh, I don't know which kind of situation you'd find yourself in to have to do that. Oh, uh, God. But which console and games would you keep out of your collection? I would. If it's Nintendo only, uh, then it would have to be the Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah. because I got great memories for that and again uh, one of the reasons why I started collecting and when I did start collecting again uh, around 2005 um, it was my first Super Nintendo and Aladdin which I still have like 10 years later and for me that's like the king of my collection because that's where it all started for me again from having nothing completely leaving university getting into work and then you know actually starting to earn a little bit of money and thinking you know what uh, maybe I can buy something I can buy things now. And I thought, what is there anything you, uh, that you really want to get your hands on that you haven't been able to get memories. so far? James Don. <laughs> I think he's trying to flirt with you. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the SNES is, is definitely what I, I would keep, and I would keep, you know, the classics like Donkey Kong, Aladdin, Mario, all the ones that I actually used to play, because as much as I've got Mega Mans and this Wild Guns and Sunset Riders and whatnot, I don't really play it, but I have friends who used to play it, so I would love to pull them out for them when they turn up, um, and, and that's what I built a lot of my collection off, was getting information off my friends and families, like what games did you used to like, and what games were like what, and then Obviously, you know, we joined a couple of Facebook game pages to chit-chat about retro gaming and you get more information off other people as well and what they enjoyed. And what you start doing is you start tagging the series of games or gamers and what people enjoy and then you start looking around for that. And it's like, uh, for instance, um, Super Off-Road on the Super Nintendo and it's called Off-Road only on the NES. 
Um, a game that I only ever seen the cover of, but I never knew what it played like and whatnot. And, and a mate of mine came around one day and he says, oh, uh, have you got that? And I said, yeah, I have. He goes, put it on. We put it on. I played it with him for four hours. He left and I played it for another four hours. I enjoyed the game so much because it's a game I never put my hands on. So I'm sure in my collection, I'm hoping, uh, like I do now, is like at the moment I've got the GameCube out. Uh, I do tend to go through games, you know, odd named games or games I've not really played or tried. Mm. Uh, just to give them a bit of life, really, you know, because the saddest thing uh, I find about my collection is that it doesn't get used. It really doesn't, you know, no. and I love to use it a bit more. So, um, Don had a question for you just then. Sometimes he, um, I don't know. Go on, Don. <laughs> I was going to say, is there anything that you really wanted, want to get your hands on that you've not been able to find yet? Yes, definitely. Definitely a few things. I mean, the NES glove, right? I mean, I've, I've bypassed a few of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't come with the sensor bars. Um, and recently, my God, right, I, I joined one of these pages and there's a lad there, Italian lad, I think he's all Australian lad, and he just bought a sealed NES glove. And I felt like crying because I thought, I've been searching for it for 10 years. <laughs> this guy's only started collecting like six months ago and he's found a sealed bloody uh, NES gun, a uh, NES glove, sorry. And uh, another thing I'd love to add is a stack-up um, to my NES uh, robot as well, because uh, it's the only other bloody game that that thing can play anyway. <laughs> good old Rob. Um, yes, the good old Rob, you know. I bought, I bought A lot of my collection is actually come from people I know as well, and I love to hold that history for them as well. Like my, my, my Neo Geo AES, I, I purchased off the same lad who I bought the Super Nintendo off in 2005, and it was yeah. out of his own collection as well. And, uh, you know, when I know he's going to come round or I invite him round, I always play out for him. And I, and I can tell in his heart how much he misses it, you know, because it was his own. And his dad had bought it him and he bought yeah. the game, but, you know, over time. And, and this is the saddest thing of anyone's collection, which makes me want to buy it more, is to hold it for them. Because it's sad when I see somebody for financial difficulties has to get rid of this history that they've made and all this nostalgia in there for them you know that's the saddest thing for me and I, and I really pray to God you know that I never have to see these things you know amongst my friends or myself where anyone comes to that difficulty where they have to or feel the, the need to sell on just, just because you know they have cash crisis problems or whatnot. Yeah. but why how much... they come up sorry sorry Don go sorry Rob so I was just ask how much was that Nintendo glove that, that, uh, that was sealed um, I think he 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 got it in a bundle, and I think it worked out for him for about ninety dollars. That's a, really is that all? Dollars. I would expect that to be way more than that. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean it's, it's worth but, in the hundreds definitely. But he was yeah. quite lucky. He found like a you know like from their version of Gumtree or something. Um, the page is on there actually. You can join it. It's called the Nez uh, Nez Buyers and players page or something there's only about a couple of hundred members on it but there are a couple of hundred hardcore NES collectors on there uh, there's <laughs> yeah. another guy there um, I can never pronounce his name it begins with G and there's about 12 letters in it he Gareth. has got three <laughs> stack ups and two of them are sealed Ooh. but he won't let you have any <laughs> he says if you can pull out a thousand pound yeah you know maybe more Jesus you know, but, um, I really wouldn't spend something like that on something like that. But he is uh, Italian, Italian, definitely. Uh, again, I can't pronounce his name. It's a dead long name. Uh, like it's, It sounds a bit like Galado or something like that. But he is uh, Italy's number one NES collector. He's literally got duplicates and triplicates of everything. You know, he, 
he he made himself a really hardcore uh, in the Nest Collectors page. Wow. Would you like, as you say, you like games? You you like to get your games out and actually play them. Would you ever yes. buy buy a sealed game from a store or somewhere that you'd found and then open that in front of them after you've bought it? <laughs> uh, I have bought brand new games, yeah, you know, and, and opened them instantly to play it. For instance, like GTA days and and whatnot. Um, but well, what about some, what about something something classic? Like if you found a sealed mega money, yeah. Well, you know what? A friend of ours uh, called Nasty Nasty Transky. He, he, that's where he's working in America at the moment. He's a worldwide banker. Yeah. Um, He's just purchased off one of our pages a sealed Terra Enigma on the Super Nintendo oh, off man. another friend of ours. And uh, basically, the friend who had it, he's called Joe, he's a Scottish lad, and he, he's into VGA grading stuff and, and buying sealed stuff. Now, he had it, and along the line, it, the box got a little bit crushed. So for him, it devalued <laughs> it. But he still sold it at about £400 or something. Madness. He still, Nasi still paid him that much for it because yeah. he wanted it. Because Nasi claims that, you know, he, he's going to be able to VGA grade it in five years. He reckons he can get £1,000 for it easy. Um, Jesus. And I said to him, I said, Nasi, you know what? I said, if you made a YouTube video of opening that, I said, you know the <laughs> hits that you get? You know the hits you get in one year? And the advertising and, 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 the, and the people who want to put their songs on, yeah, and the adverts before watching, who is this crazy Indian opening this sealed in 2014 for Christmas? I said, you'll make your £1,000 back in a year, seriously. And he's like, oh, my God, you know what? He goes, you're right. Because he goes, I can do that as well. Because he goes, I actually had the game in the past. That's uh, a good idea, you know, I think. I remember my own memories of opening it. You know, at crime when I got it and playing it and reading the manual and doing all that, and I said, "Live it, go through with it." And I, w- I wish somebody would do that again, honestly. You know, because again, this VGA grading it really hurts me. You know, as a collector, because I think it needs air. That that game needs to breathe. You know, bring yeah. it out into the world, let it see the light and everything. So, uh, stay right. away from. Uh, I think that's a good stuff. idea. That's a good idea for a YouTube channel. Have, Definitely, like, classic, I reckon he will get hits worldwide. Definitely. Do it with loads of games. Just get a whole set of unopened sealed well, like, SNES games or something and just open them all in different it, videos. Yeah. It has happened when you get those people that smash my Xbox and stuff where they went yeah. to the front of the line, didn't they? And they just <laughs> smashed the shit out of it in front of everyone waiting in the queue. But, Emran, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the present day now. Yes. As a Nintendo collector, mm-hmm. how is the sort of stuff like the Amiibos and stuff? Are they something that you're going to look to get a whole set of? Well, you know what? I, I, recently, I did have a Andrew Hunt, a friend of mine from Australia, who's uh, Australia's number one game and watch collector. He's only like three or two games off a complete set now. And he's been in their Guinness Book of Records and whatnot. And he's been asking me to get him some of them as well from here and send them yeah. over. But figures and this and that, I never got into. Um, but, I mean, the last Nintendo figure thing I got was with the Mario Kart Collector's Edition um, trophy. And you know yeah. what? I was really, really disappointed. It reminded me why I stopped by getting things from Nintendo Club, as in merchandise, and started mm-hmm. getting Nintendo Club points instead and buy, you know, buying the games online instead for that, is because I see the quality is really, really, really gone down. It honestly has. It yeah, honestly, it's honestly has. Now. Yes, you know, because it's mass-produced. And it's God knows where they're producing it because even made in China stuff is a lot more sturdy and stronger than that <laughs> nowadays. Uh, so God knows where they're making it. But the, the quality—I mean, if any of you have seen the Mario Kart 
um, you know, blue shell trophy. In real, you'll be disappointed. It's the most cheapest, thinnest plastic. And hand, and you hold that, I reckon, a couple of weeks, all the colour's going to fade off it. So for, to me, the all these things that Nintendo are producing now, and not only Nintendo, I mean, I see it in the Halo yeah. figures and this, that, and the other, they are things to be kept behind a glass cabinet, not to be touched and to be looked at from a distance. Because quality-wise, <laughs> it's not in hand, honestly. <laughs> You know, I mean, they need to, again, the Wii remotes and, you know, the Wii pads, they need to make it out of that same quality there because Nintendo needs to realise that when you've been holding a Nintendo pad all your life, when you hold anything else Nintendo, it's got to feel of the same quality, in my opinion. It's got to be that quality because that is your brand. So, Mm -hmm. um, the last question before we move on and we go on. And Emran, you can go to bed. I'm not telling you to go to bed. You can go to bed. No, I'll, I'll be searching <laughs> on Facebook pages for more deals. Yeah, Zelda. Yes. What do we think about the direction that it's going in? Oh my God! You know, uh, the first Zelda I ever played, I played for three minutes and I had no clue what to do. And it was Zelda number two on the NES, and it was many a years ago at a friend's house. And I, I only wanted to put it on because when I seen him through his collection, I thought, Wow, gold cart. I'll try that. It'll be the best game in the world. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I was doing, walking about. I didn't know what to do. And it took me many years later to realise that, you know what, RPG gaming and gamers, it's a different brand of people. And, they, they, you know, they, as much as they love shooters and racing, RPG gaming is just next level craziness. Now, I never got into RPG gaming because I never, I always liked to button bash and I never liked to read much and I didn't like long storylines to follow um, but my brother, he really got into Zelda when I got the N64, and he's one of very few people I know who have completed most of the Zeldas, because, you know, he, he became a bit of a Zelda fan, and he was one of them, he'd lock himself away for the weekend, and, you know, he would play Zelda outright, and uh, I remember the first Zelda that frustrated him was the N64, which had to be done in a certain amount of time. Um, and um, since then it made him a hardcore Zelda fan but recently he's played the Wii ones as well and um, he's saying as well that oh, you know, the, the, the latest Zelda that's come out uh, Hyrule is it? Or something. Hyrule Warriors yeah he made him put the pad down you know it made him put the pad down I, I can't remember which one it was but it was one of the most recent Zelda Skyward Sword Skyward Sword that's the one sorry not Hyrule Skyward Sword yeah with the gold Wii uh, mode yeah, yeah. And uh, I bought his collection and whatnot. And again, I just bought it and I don't play, but I know my brother plays it. It made him put it down, and I don't know why, but I will ask him again, you know, why. Um, but again, he did say, you know what, it's just not the same anymore. It's just not the same anymore. So, so we unsure saw from whether, a... you know... Sorry, Emran. Yeah. I'm unsure whether, you know, gamers expect something from the past every time as well. Um, you know, um, like Gareth said that, you know, when he bought the Mario Kart 8 it put him off it because you know it was just too up to date too new too much going on um but um i think same with a lot of the old school gamers but you know my kids if i get them on it they love it they don't want to put it down we have to force it off them you know because they love all that new colory and you know everything but they've never seen the old stuff you see um but uh for me zelda is moving fast um, and the franchise is growing rapidly. I mean, it looks like something in... more like Skyrim now, doesn't it? Some yeah, sort of more Western exactly. they want to go towards. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think this is where we realise now that, you know what? People are lost for storylines. They really, really yeah. are. 
uh, and finding a lot of the newer storylines for the newer games, especially with Nintendo as well. They're kind of losing the plot, or they're, they're unsure. And then when you played it, you, you, you go to the to talk pages and you realize, oh my God, they're talking about that game and that sounds like this game. They're talking about that game and it sounds like this game. So I think you know they've marketed themselves well as well, where they know that they've got a grab. A grab of certain customers, and they're only going to stick with them, and they're not going to know what's going on in the other gaming worlds. And and I find that what happens because of that is because of the pricing, because the games are not cheap enough for you to go and buy a variety of, you know, with the high prices, they're forcing you to stick with that game, you know. And what does Gareth think of the way that uh, Zelda's going now? Um, I'm not a huge fan, uh, not of the footage they've shown of the like the newest one that's coming out next year, anyway. Like. Just looks like you said, like Skyrim. Like some games are good for, mm. like you know, if you see that mountain off in the distance, you can go there. You can go exploring, mm. and you can find all this shit in the world. I think that's fine for most games, but not for Zelda. Zelda's there's some exploring in it, but it's always been more of a focused experience. Like plus Zelda, because it's not a proper RPG. Like, what's the point in going off the beaten path? Like, you're not going to find an ogre of strength that'll drop a new weapon for you or something like that like you would in an RPG you're just gonna kill it and then you might get some rupees like 20 rupees brilliant you know great get a doner kebab and can for that easy (laughs) that's what it's all about but anyway thank you Emran thank you for joining us today with with, this is the late show with uh, Gareth Williams fantastic thanks for having us man thank you guys right so this week i have been playing not that much really been carrying on with Grand Theft Auto and Far Cry 4 but a little game that I've been playing is Killzone Mercenary on the PS Vita now you know it came out a little while ago uh, to not much fanfare because obviously it was a PS Vita game but it is one of those PS Vita games that make you wonder (coughs) why they've stopped it's you know I don't know if it's because it's on handheld and I just get blown away every time I turn it on but, you know, for me, it's better than Killzone Shadow, Shadowfall on the PlayStation 4, which I couldn't bring myself to play to go all the way through. Um, it's really good. It shows that the PS Vita is handmade and goes hand in hand um, with the PS Vita. And at first, first shooters could be done with console quality graphics. But yet again, the PS Vita is dead. And I think everyone just admits it's dead now. Even Sony aren't pretending that they're interested in it. And I actually really like the PlayStation Vita. And like I say, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the Vita is its own downfall because it's powerful enough to make console quality games, but it hasn't got the user base to justify developers making console quality games. So it's a vicious cycle and it is its own worst enemy. But, yeah, you know, don't buy one. There's no point in buying a PS No, because, you know, the back library isn't worth um, buying it for, the back library, because, you know, there are 
are some real quality games on there. But until you know you can walk into a shop and get a Vita for fifty quid like you can a PSP, it's just not worth it. And uh, it's a sad, sad story because I'll always stick up for the Vita. Like if someone says, "Oh, Vita, that's shit," it's not actually shit. It's brilliant. You can play Borderlands Two on it. You can play Killzone Mercenary. These are all good, and you don't feel like you're hampered. You don't feel like, "Oh, this is shit." You feel like you're playing a console quality game with the the, the sticks, and it, it, do, it doesn't feel like a compromise in any way. It feels so smooth, so good. The frame rate's brilliant, and you know it, it's it's just such a shame. And that's, that's all I can say, really. Oh. And it's it's a shame. It's a console that died <laughs> way before its time, and hopefully in the future. Well, you know, I don't think Sony are going to try and bother again because they did it. They made console quality gaming on the go. But as for now, there's probably little to no point in pursuing it. You know, Nintendo have got it all wrapped up. They did it again. Well done, Nintendo. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> no, but they have. They're the masters at handheld. A lot of people have gone up against them, namely Sega and Lost. You don't go up against Nintendo because you might think you know what everyone wants, but Nintendo actually knows what everyone wants, and that's why they always win. Everyone wants Pokemon. Yep. <laughs> and that's literally all I've been playing this week, Gareth. Sorry. That's fine. Thank you. You're fine. Oh, <laughs> It's nice. It is. It's Christmas. It's true. <clears throat> Gareth, have you got a roll neck jumper? <clears throat> A roll neck jumper. What's a roll neck jumper? It's like a jumper, but it's got a roll neck. <laughs> like a turtleneck? Yeah, you'd look really nice in it. Like a red one, like a Christmassy one. <laughs> yeah, that might work, actually. It, it would cover up my chin. Yeah. I've really it would be nice. Like, the part where my chin meets my neck yeah, is, like, my worst feature. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But, you know, for someone that uh, has so many sort of weird T-shirts, the prop the point that you don't have any of those comedy kind of jumpers is quite strange. Well, it's because all my t-shirts are cool, and a comedy jumper wouldn't be cool. Wouldn't you get one with like Ryu and Ken on it? Because you can get them. There's like ones with Ryu and Ken doing Hadouken on these jumpers and things like that. Well, I don't like Street Fighter, so. Well, all right, sorry. Go on. What have you been playing? <laughs> um, this week, I guess technically I've played two things. Uh, the first thing I've played is Kingdom Rush Origins, which is a, a game card for my game. phone. Card? Card based? Nope. Tower Defense. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> They're really good. No, seriously. They are. They're good. They're addictive, Tower Defense yeah, Especially games. on a mobile, because you yeah. you're sitting on the shitter, and you're just defending yourself with towers from Goblin Hordes. But the Kingdom Rush series is actually In the game. good. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> The Kingdom Rush series has a really great art style and all their towers are really satisfying and everything just feels really good. Uh, this is probably the weakest one, Origins. It's like the third they've done. Um, the towers just feel a bit less uh, fully realised than the other games. You know, They've made two of these games before and there's only so much you can do with towers. So it kind of feels like they're reusing ideas a little bit and maybe they've used up their best ideas in previous games. Yeah, but I'm still enjoying it a lot. Um, I would highly recommend uh, Kingdom Rush and Kingdom Rush Frontiers. Those are the first two. Uh, if you've never played them, they're at like a quid on the app stores or whatever, and they'll eat up days of your life. 
because they're just so fun and satisfying. So I've been playing that, and the main event that I've been playing is uh, The Wolf Among Us, which is a Telltale adventure game. Uh, Telltale, obviously, the people who made The Walking Dead a couple of years ago, the adventure game, which won many Game of the Year awards. Um, I've heard kind of middling things about the second series of that game. But I'm still probably going to play it at some point. But yeah, I've been playing The Wolf Among Us. I love it so far. I'm only two episodes in. Um, the gameplay uh, feels a lot better than uh, it did in The Walking Dead. There's action uh, sections in The Wolf Among Us which are actually kind of fun to play. Because they have the sort of multi-staged. So like, if you're in a fight and you miss a punch, it's not the end. It's not like a game over. Like, the fight will continue to play out as if you've missed, and then you can miss everything in a fight, and then you will still reach an end to that fight. It's just the end will be you got the shit kicked out of you instead of, you know, you put up a good fight or you won the fight. So you're actually having influence over the gameplay in ways other than just the conversation system, which is the same one that was in Walking Dead where, you know, the time will tick down quickly and you have to pick one of your options... Uh, sort of snap judgment style as it fits into the conversation and that's just as effective as ever just incredible for storytelling so much fun uh, but stressful as fuck um, <laughs> and the um, the setting is actually really cool so it's based on a graphic novel I guess called Fables and the concept is that all the um, nursery rhyme characters and all the sort of uh, fairy tale characters actually existed in a different world but then had to move to our world when something terrible happened there like i'm not 100 percent sure what that is yet because i've not uh, like unlocked all the sort of backstory stuff it's all uh, unlockable extras but it seems like they were kind of invaded by some evil people so they had to move to our world so now all these um fairy tale creatures live in one small neighborhood in New York uh, using like magic to conceal their real identities and stuff and you play as the big bad wolf uh, who's called Bigby Wolf did you get it? Big B Big Bad Wolf yeah 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 I'm waiting for confirmation that I was it's good yeah that was uh, cheers wow. cheers that was great. It's cheers great I didn't come Keep... up with it it's all <laughs> um, but you play as Bigby Wolf and he's a really cool character the voice acting for him is fantastic as well um, and you you sort of rule as the sheriff, making sure everyone uh, respects the law. And because you're the big bad wolf, everybody's scared of you, and that's really cool. Like, the fact that they don't have to set up a backstory for your character, they don't have to explain who the big bad wolf is, because you already know. You already know the big bad wolf is the, the fucking... He's the man. Yeah. Everyone's going to be fucking scared of it. He's the big bad wolf! He's the ultimate evil in the fairy tale universe, essentially. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they've set up a really cool story as well, which I'm really pumped to play more of. But I, I was going to play episode three today, but I fucked up my times. Is this actually a? It's a sequel to uh, the uh, Walking Dead. No, it's just made by the same company in this style. Because I always thought it was a direct sequel for some reason. No, no, no. But it, it's it just made in the same style but it's yeah. like, like you know Walking Dead's uh, a comic book as yes. is Fables they're just they're both based off comic books I would highly recommend it especially because I got it when it was like 75% off so obviously 
Christmas sales coming up, uh, it's going to be a lot of opportunities to get that shit for very, very cheap. So, yeah. The Wolf Among Us, I'm going to play more of it. I'm kind of expecting Game of the Year list that it'll be on. So, possible Game of the Year contender. So that's what I've been playing, Don. How about yourself? Well, surprisingly, I've played a little bit of Destiny this week. No! Uh, I know, shocking. Um, only a bit, though. Uh, I'll be mostly waiting for the DLC to drop for the first uh, first expansion pack, Dark Below, which uh, dropped this morning. So I've not, <clears throat> not a chance to play it yet, so... Uh, You'll uh, you're spared the excitement of uh, of that this week. I will, uh, <laughs> but next week you'll get to hear all about it, and I bet you can't wait. You know what? It'll be a nice change because you'll have stuff like new stuff to talk about from Destiny. New things. It'll almost be like you've played a new game. Almost. Well, there's a new raid which uh, I'll probably should try and uh, try and do tonight. So we'll uh, we'll see how the uh, I'll let you know how what I think the DLC if, if it's any good or if it's actually worth the money. <laughs> I will be subjective, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Subjective. But, uh, yeah, be interesting to see. Um, but the other thing I've been playing a little bit of, uh, I say a little bit of, I've completed, uh, is the expansion to uh, Monument Valley called Forgotten Shores, which, uh, for those who forget or don't remember or have never heard of it before, is a iOS and Android uh, indie game uh, based on the uh, kind of Penrose Stairs um, drawings, which uh, are the kind of endless steps which the steps that go around and kind of link up to themselves. They're kind of impossible kind of drawings, um, basically. Um, so they've used that concept to create a little puzzle game where you walk around as a princess trying to find your way through, and parts of the of the, uh, the architecture are movable or they can rotate or flip around, and you go through certain doors, and you've got to try and get through certain areas to get them to complete the, uh, to get to the end of the level. Um, and uh, so the expansion is basically just more of that. And um, just like the uh, the original uh, Monument Valley. It's absolutely stunning. To look. It's really beautifully designed. Oh, it's beautiful. smooth as silk. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if you've if you've got an Android or iOS, especially if you've got a tablet, so you've got a bigger screen, it looks even better than it does on your phone. It, it looks fantastic. It's absolutely beautiful. The music is really perfect for it as well. It's all very kind of ethereal and chilled and um, moody and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's just a great little experience. Um, it's like one pound forty nine for the expansion, um, and I think I got the original for one pound forty nine as well because it was in a little sale. It's normally I think two forty nine or something, which is two fifty is less than the price of a pint of beer around these parts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, so uh, yeah, if you if you're into your little puzzle games, very easy, very gentle, um, but slightly cryptic and you know it won't take you ages to get through it you know if you solidly play both of them you get through both in a couple of hours um but um i just like to sit there and kind of it's nice on a sunday morning to just put it on have a little bit of a chill and uh, just let the um the kind of the atmosphere just take you over um it's really really nice a good way to calm yourself down after a night of vigorous lovemaking it, that's exactly what it's useful <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, what I've been playing this week. And that was this week's podcast. It's been absolutely fantastic. Join us next week when we're going to be on episode 46 and it's going to be closer to Christmas. You can almost smell it. Can you smell the turkey, Gareth? I smell something. Then go and have sex with it. See you next week. <laughs> okay. Thank you.
look at me. I'm a hipster 